Hi guys, this is Jack Grimmer and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. I'm Jay Mack, your host, reporting live from my very posh... Uh, you know what? There's a time and a place. This is neither. We've lost again. Now, before we turn to the same Fulham hymn sheet, a match with another awful score written by composer Andre Cretin for the new Netflix football documentary called Fulham, I'm Already Dead, a big thank you to Jack Grimmer for the intro. Jack joined us in January 2012, initially with our youth academy, and went on to be loaned to Port Vale and Shrewsbury, Beg your pardon, Shrewsbury, where he impressed and got into Kit Simon's plans during our 14-15 season in the championship. He's admired for both his defensive intelligence and his attacking qualities as a fullback for the teams he's played for. Sadly, it was the wrong place and the wrong time for us, but he'll always get a warm reception when he next visits the cottage. Listen to his full Q&A with Danny on the website. Jack Grimmer, we salute you. Right, Reese and John are with me. 4-3-3, Betts, Adoy, Reem, Chambers, MLM, Seri, Cisse, Kenny, Ayite, Cabano, Vieto. That's the lineup. How did you feel about it? John, I'll go to you. Um, I was over the moon with the lineup, to be honest. I've, um, as you guys will both know on the old uh, legendary Full and Focus WhatsApp group, I've been a massive advocate of the 4-3-3. I felt that the squad was bought, designed, and trained in that system. And um, I've kind of been a bit dis- bit disgruntled that we've not played it. So before the game, very, very happy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, Reese, the, the 4-3-3 thing, I mean, it's quite staggering because like John has always been saying in the WhatsApp group, it, these players are made for this formation. And uh, it was uh, it was up to players like Cabano and Ayite getting their starts finally that actually this should have made a difference and we just weren't at the races at all. I mean, what is it, 20 shots and two on target? It's just madness, isn't it? Yeah, I think to some extent, you know, John does have a point. You know, the squad was built to be, you know, assembled in the last summer, built to play 4 3 3. So it was somewhat uh, good, beneficial for them to do that. But at the same time, you'd expect these players, these are professional footballers. They're, they're not robots, they are human beings. You should expect them, uh, expect maybe being the wrong word, but at least feel that they should be able to adapt and change. And if we wanted to go to a different formation, maybe, you know, 20 shots obviously shows that we you know, put some attacking effort in. But if you wanted to go to an even more attacking formation, say in the last couple of years, then they should easily have then they should easily have been able to do that. You, you can't expect these players just to play um one formation, one position. You buy these players for you buy these players for a multitude of reasons and to play in a multitude of position. For instance, Vieto starting at number nine, I think he's proved that he can occasionally play he can play on the wing. I have to just butt in here and say that although I was very happy with the starting lineup, felt it suited our players, and also thought that a, a three in the middle with Kenny and Sari both playing, which I believe have believed is our strength, that um, it, it didn't work. I thought we'd overrun a League Two midfield and, and absolutely dominate them, but but it just we definitely didn't. A lot of credit needs to go to Oldham. I actually 
asked what, what league are these guys in again? And I was shocked to find out what league they were in because I thought they were a, a really decent outfit and they were very compact and well drilled and they made it different, difficult for us. And the Vieto at the, the front three just reminded me last season of us before Mitro, basically. It was watching Rui Font jumping for balls that he would never win against six foot four defenders who just, just a nudge in the back. And it was, it was, you know, it, so I like the lineup. I thought the lineup suited us. And now everything I've ever believed has gone flying straight out the window. I mean, for sure. I mean, Matthew, uh, Reese, rather, like, are you say Cabano and Vieto? There's been a lot of criticism on social media. I mean, do you think it's justified a lot of people saying they don't want to see these players ever starting ever again for us? Um, I think that's just a lot of anger being brought out, just how, you know, we'll get onto the performance itself and the result later on. But I think there's just been a lot of anger and everyone's just so. Everyone's just gotten a little bit too emotional. I think Aita and Cabano do still have roles to play at the club. And I, I don't want to single out any one or two uh, individual players because I think the whole team, you know, I said on Twitter, that 90% sarcastically, but there's there's some element of seriousness to it, that the team should surrender their wages for this week. I think it's harsh to sort of label it down to just two players. I think the whole squad needs to have a, needs to have a good hard look at themselves. The management and the back start, backroom staff as well. All right, very good. And John, I mean, look. So, how did you how did you see the game panning out? I mean, it it was almost was this a slippery banana, like inevitable? It almost seems like you know this was always going to happen because it's us. But the, what 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 on earth do you think what was going on there? I think the the first half performance was was pretty abysmal. I mean, you need you kind of need an outlet, and you need you know. As I said earlier, I thought the, the midfield would overrun them and create chances for no one. But we, we almost had no one up front. And it, it was weak. It was soft. The, the, I mean, the first half was nothing short of abysmal. I, I do think um, Oldham were very well organised. And I was amazed that, you know, supposedly an upgrade in Seri and, and Cissé, who's been a bit of a lost man. I, I, I was amazed we didn't do more in the middle. We, we almost gave the ball out wide and expected them to do something and put a ball to someone who wasn't there. And we just had more questions than answers. Oldham didn't look great, but, but organised. We just, you know, we just lacked ideas. We, we lacked anything. It was a bewildering first half because I, at, at no point did I feel that, you know, we, they were going to score. But likewise, we weren't going to score. And we should have probed and asked more questions than, than we actually did. Yeah, and, you know, I... I think sort of some of this comes down to an attitude from I was listening to Talk Sport today, and for for the love of God, thank thank you, Leicester, for taking some of the some of the heat and to an extent, Cardiff taking some of the heat off us this weekend, because yeah, otherwise otherwise we'd have been otherwise we'd have been the big boys. Um, when it comes down to just the whole performance of it, I think there was in a sense a bit of arrogance to it. Like you know the players, uh, you know, because Aita and Cabano were part of the team. That made was part of the twenty-three man, uh, twenty-three game unbeaten run. They they played their part, so there must have been obviously some arrogance there, thinking right, we're good enough to be you know, higher up the championship. This League Two side, we should be able to take care of it. And I think, um, do you think Ranieri sort of went in with a proper game plan, or do you think he just said, right, this team, you know, Tom Kenny, decent player, Seri, decent player, Adoy, Reeman, Chambers, yeah, it's, it's League Two. They'll be able to keep. They'll be able to keep them quiet. Uh, Aite Cabano, they're fast. Uh, League two players are quite slow, just ran at them. Do you think that Ranieri, Ranieri just didn't have the right game plan 
as as a whole, and that sort of contributed to the performance because he didn't quite get his messages across. I'll I'll jump in on that and say, to be honest, although I was happy with the um with the lineup, I can't I can't really understand it because Ranieri has basically ripped up what was successful for so long, and decided that you know he wants to play this way. So we play that way in the Premier League, and you can't argue the defence hasn't got better, and you know we're not conceding as many. And we weren't playing great under Slav, so it wasn't like it was the dreamland of Slav. We were creating chances left, right, and so we weren't. But if you're going to say no, this is not going to work. This is then why in a cup game play really quite a a really strong squad. If you ask me, I was shocked at how strong the squad was, and then change it to a system that you're not happy with and that you've kind of already said isn't good enough. And this was a chance for players to kind of fit into a system and see how it worked. And he kind of just reverted back to, to an old system that he'd, he'd ruled out. I, I didn't get that. And once again, we're kind of, we're playing players out of player. I mean, we, we, we lacked, we lacked a focal point. You, you, you saw in the championship, how, how we were toothless without someone decent up front or some strength up front. Even, I mean, I was calling for Kamara. I didn't think Mitro would play, but I was calling for Kamara. Thought as soon as the second half started, put Kamara on, but it was it was it was it was weak. And um, I mean, if we're going to go on to the second half, I thought Cabano actually put his hand up, and I thought he did some outstanding things. And you know, if he had been given a chance in the Premier League and done that as opposed to AK, we might see him starting most weeks now because he caused them a lot of problems, and he was he was very dangerous on 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 the uh, left wing in the second half. It just, oh, we just seem like we, we're rudderless, you know. We, we, we build a team to play a system and then we're, things aren't going well. So we throw away all of the good feeling, all of everything that went, so I'm ranting a bit, but everything that was good. I felt so happy turning up to Fulham last season. I felt like we played football the right way, doing the right things. We had a system, we had a manager, we had players. We bought, spent money to get players who can play with the ball, possession football, and then... We throw it all away. We throw it all away with 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 Ranieri coming in, and you know, ah, I just, I'm I'm lost. I'm lost for words at kind of how we've gone from that feel good factor to kind of sitting here talking about losing to Oldham. And let's put it into perspective: this game didn't matter. It really didn't matter. Mm. But I think like we've got to the stage where like one straw can break the camel's back, and it's everything. Everything is going wrong. Everything is not quite fitting. I mean, I, I, I don't see progression. I don't see anything. I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's so upsetting to, to be watching, really, to be witnessing. Do you think that, as much as it has sort of gone into absolute chaos and downward spiral on social media and everything, imagine if we, do you think the fact that it was a somewhat weakened side, not weak, but weakened side, because um, imagine if this was the first team that that put in that that put in that performance, it would have been even even worse. Do you think the fact that it was, you know, a, a lesser side, so to speak, just takes some of the edge away from that? I don't. I I, I think it's slightly. I say slightly because I mean very slightly unfair on the midfield to kind of. They didn't do a very good job, but they didn't have an out. They didn't have someone who could. They didn't have Mitro. They didn't have a striker who was actually. I mean, Vieto was just absolutely useless. I mean, absolutely useless. I I don't know what the loan system is, but I can't really see a reason to keep him. He was worse than Cabano and Aite, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And we own them, and they succeeded for us in the championship. So you know, if if any of the three are going to go, then then for me, it's him. I think it's 
as I say, slightly unfair because um, the midfield didn't have an outlet. We, we were putting crosses in and it was like, it was boys against men. There was no way we, we were going to win a header in their box because we didn't have, you know, we were giving, you know, a foot away to their to their defenders. So, and I do think the midfield slightly, when you've got three quick players, you need it needs to be the through balls. It needs to be a bloke on the last man. It, not giving the ball out wide and expecting bloody Vieto to rise like a doy, ironically, to head the ball in. Um, it, but it wasn't a weak side. It was not. It was actually a really surprisingly strong side, which is kind of where my my dreams of us playing beautiful four three three kind of just crash and burn, really, because. Um, Oh God, I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't. Yeah, um, and, that, and, that, and that's that point we're going to get onto. We're going to get onto it later because I've got a doozy of a question for you guys in the quiz. But I just want to take you back to Sheffield United and that to that in that 2014 Cup run. Look at the side yeah. we had out then. Regardless of you know you want to criticize you know whether the manager played things wrong or played the wrong formation or played the wrong player, that side should still have been able to do the job. And I maintain that, mm-hmm. you know, in the Sheffield United game, because because they took us to a replay, that side should have done should It's good enough to do the job, regardless of if the manager got some things wrong. That side is good. It should have been good enough to beat a League Two side, a League Two side at Oldham. And we, you know, fair play to Oldham. They gave it a go. They, ne- they, they never gave up. You know, that uh, we're going to get out of the game. The penalty miss, you know. Or when it got the penalty, it should really have been a morale. Thing. The fact they saved and then that was a bit of a morale changer. Uh, yeah. Good on them for sort of capitalising on it. But that squad that he put out, that side, should have been able to do the job. Which is why I say, yes, the manager needs to take some stake, but the players need to have a big hard look at themselves for, for how that game panned out. Well, no, of course. And you've got to remember, this is a team, I think it did, did, they lost 6-0 to Carlisle recently, Oldham Athletic. I mean, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke that we're losing to this team. It's not good at all. And going on to the penalty, I mean, I've, look, I've got nothing against Mitrovic. I think Mitrovic is our best player by a country mile. I love him. But I find it bizarre that he would come on and his first kick would, as a substitute would be a penalty kick. Is this not madness or am I on my own here, guys? No, no, I think I, I'm I'm absolutely with you. I think there was somewhat of a coincidence to it because Mitrovic was already going to come on. He was ready to come on, and then the penalty penalty got given. And then, but I just think in that situation, I don't know if yeah. I, and obviously, you're going to have to talk about the penalty incident from the penalty incident from a couple of weeks ago against against Huddersfield. You know, I was listening to mm-hmm. I had a um, gentleman Jim, Jim and Jamie Reed. Say that, say that three times. Uh, I was listening to them, <laughs> and Jamie Reed, as soon as the penalty was given, said, "Get Mitrovic on, get him to take the penalty." Sort of to put aside the ghosts of a couple of weeks ago against against Huddersfield. I think I think it was the wrong decision. If you wanted to bring Mitrovic on, fine, but I think in that sort of frame of mind, first kick of the game, I wouldn't have given it to him because he took the ball off Jean-Michel Serri, I believe it was. I think that's actually a good. That would have been a good opportunity because Seri's not been, you know, not had the greatest of seasons for us. Uh, obviously, scored the wonder goal against Burnley and had a very good assist. I think it was against Brighton. Um, that would have been a chance for him to get some confidence back. And the fact that he then had to surrender it, I know the whole thing with you know Mitrovic is the number one penalty taker, yada yada yada. But I think in that situation, or even Tom Kearney, I just don't think in that situation where Mitrovic is the first man on or just come on. He should he should not have t- he should not have taken the penalty, just in my view. 
But I mean, is Mitrovic's form struggling, would you say, John? I mean, how did he look to you? You were there, went after after the penalty kick. I mean, did he seem still amongst it, upon, you know, looking looking like he could score every now and then? Um, to be honest, I thought it was a decent enough penalty. I think going slightly back to um, bickering about who should have taken them before, yeah, Kamara scored penalties, but I've... Of all the penalties you've scored, I've not thought, well, oh, that was a good penalty. You know, I mean, the keeper might have gone the wrong way, but they were kind of halfway between the middle of the goal and the goalpost. It wasn't, you know, all you've got to do is go the right way and save that. That that was actually a a decent penalty and a, and a decent save. We were obviously forgetting the, um, I mean, well, two steps back, um, one forward, shall we say. Um, we're forgetting that Cess, Cess's first touch on the pitch was to give away a penalty. Yeah, um, yeah, and and Sess was marking one of their biggest goal threats. You have to wonder whether, on the sideline, before he came on, he was told, you know, by the way, Cabano was marking this, which seems crazy anyway. I'm not really sure that was the case, but Cabano was marking this goal threat. Now you go and mark him. So his first, his first impact on the game was to give away a penalty, and get a yellow card. And then yeah. Mitro's first impact on the game was was to miss a penalty. Although I think it was quite a well a well enough taken penalty. So it's amazing how as a manager, you know, you can make decisions and look like an absolute genius or you can make decisions and it 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 goes like that. On to Mitro. M- Mitro really was was wasn't in the game long enough. We didn't have the ball long enough. It was it was very stop start by the time he came on. He wasn't involved very much and and we we went long ball near the end, but the long balls weren't towards Mitro. Basically, so you know, kicking him out, we're kicking him out for corners and goal, uh, sorry, goal kicks and throw-ins. So he didn't, he did nothing wrong. He didn't have a chance to do anything right, if, if you're my honest opinion. Well, what did you think of um, Adoy's performance in that, John? Because I'm hearing f- through the the Twitter sphere, as it were, that he was p- probably our man of the match. Adoy was very, Adoy was very good. I mean, he slightly, I mean, probably one of the reasons why we didn't play him at wing back or right or left or whatever. I mean, he, he could play anywhere, really. Um, was because he wasn't offensively good enough and he, he didn't, you know, offer enough going forward. But at times it felt like he was he was um, showboating, really. He he was skinning people. He had two players against him. He's, he, he, it was refreshing to see, to be honest, because you want players to play with that kind of freedom. And, and as, as uh, Matthew said earlier, you know, a bit of arrogance. I think I think we were arrogant. I think we underestimated them. But Arrogance came came across in in a good way, really. He he was um he was trying things, trying to make things happen. I even I mean I wasn't I wasn't happy with the formation I was, but with Adoy and uh, Maxim the Marshal on the, at left to right back, I kind of thought wasn't quite sure. I mean, I think Brian needs needs to prove himself to me and get some more game time anyway. But but they they both played very well actually, and I think it would be hard to say that Adoy was better than Maxim the Marshal because he was really really solid on the left actually. Mm-hmm. And and kind of thinking, kind of centre backs or limited wing backs play, playing, they they were most certainly not the problem. I mean, it's you talk about showboating. Did you see his celebration? It was absolutely amazing. It's like a side somersault that he did. It was probably the only thing that I enjoyed about the fucking game, to be honest. Anyway, I mean, so but look, I want to I want to talk about Ranieri's comments. Uh, were pretty damning after the game about you know finally being right about never picking some of these players and you know. You know, it makes me think if he was right to do this, you know, hanging out his dirty laundry off, he should have kept it private. 
and I don't know if it's a January window message to the board, um, but you know we've got to have the Ranieri rating now. And you know, for me, I I can't see more than a four in my opinion. Uh, jo- uh, John, what would you say your rating for Ranieri would be on this one? Oh, it's a difficult. I mean, I I, I would probably match you with a four. I, I could go as high as a five. I I think I think we've kind of. I think going on to his po- <laughs> it's older. I think I think it's getting very older. I think get, getting onto his, <laughs> getting onto his comments. I think his comments were, were really really interesting because um, as much as he said, "Well, look, I've given you guys a go, and you know you've proved to me you, you weren't good enough." I wonder if that was there was also a hidden message there for folk like me who believe that we should be playing a four three three. That he's not only given the players a chance but I think he might that might be him saying well I've given your formation a chance as well and you couldn't even do it against Oldham so I can't be I can't see us doing what I hoped we would again to be honest all right and and but 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 with that you've got to say when when we've had two managers one who was the most had the longest unbeaten run out of any of our managers ever in history and now a Premier League winning manager if neither of them can get a tune out of these players, then then surely can it can it just lie with the manager? I mean, I'd like you guys to to answer that. Is is this is this, are the players just completely useless? Was the recruit recruitment completely useless, or is there no way any manager on earth could get a song out of these players? I think it's I think it's sort of what you've what you've said. I think every everyone needs to take uh, take a look. Needs to take some form of some form of blame for this. You know, a lot's been said about. It. By the way, just quickly, um, Ranieri rating. I go for zero. But I think as many, <laughs> no people have criticised Tony Carden. To, to some extent, I understand. You know, the fact that you know he only posts when that he only posts uh, tweets when we win. Uh, he never posts when we lose, and sort of. And you know, there's always this back and forth. Uh, whenever we lose, oh, Tony Khan bought the players or look to scout the players, so on and so forth. But then whenever we win, it's always Kevin McDonald gets praised, but it was always one of Tony Khan's players sort of thing. I, I can sort of understand there's a bit of a confusion there, but then there is the case of, well, surely Tony Khan should have brought up players that were consistent and, you know, they aren't always bad. You know, they go through bad and bad and good spots. Surely should have brought players that are always good. Sort of thing. As a, the whole club, I think, is in a, just in a bit of... I think basically because we pressed the panic button twice. Um, mm. Once in the summer when we figured, right, this squad's not good enough. Let's just spend, 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 spend. Again, some of that you put put on Tony Khan for uh, obviously scanning the players. Slavisa would have had some say. The board for okaying it. Then obviously we go uh, to December and uh, did we press the panic button too early? So on and so forth. Um, so I think the whole club needs to have. It's something that's gone goes around the whole club. It's not just one individual person. I think you're spot on there, and and um, it's hard to disagree. The thing that really annoys me is that a director of football is supposedly supposed to kind of be the person above the coach or manager. That that means that when things do change, it's not a massive change. You know, that's the consistency. Mm. That the director of football is the person who who stops it from being. Oh well, that that was that manager's players. This is this manager's players. We have to rip it all up and throw it out the window. Well, Tony Khan's not done that. He has ripped it up and thrown it all out the window. And I mean, I think some of the vitriol that's been been kind of sent his way and being kind of tweeted into everything and having all this criticism isn't fair. And, and it's a bit of, it can be a, it's a bit abusive at times. And I'm not really comfortable with that. But 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 realistically, this this guy wouldn't get a job in probably 
professional English football at any other club. Mm. So it gets to a point where, you know, if you're not doing a job very well, either you, you work harder at it or you hold your hands up and say, I'm not good enough. I'm, he's probably working hard at it, but he's also managing a failing NFL team and starting a wrestling franchise. So, yeah. is, Which he is loves, it time apparently. To he's a big fan of wrestling. Well, it, I'm sure he is, but I, you know, I'm a big fan <laughs> don't, of Fulham. Don't knock the wrestling. That's going to be big. Don't knock the wrestling. That's going to be big. Trust well, me. Well, they'll be okay, probably fine. wrestling at Craven Cottage in, in League Two soon. But I, I just think, you know, <laughs> if, if, you, if you're not good enough for a job elsewhere, you either you buckle down and you concentrate it on it, or you stand back, you stand down. And I can't, I don't know if either of those are happening. You know, I think we're just, just, just treading water, really. Yeah, and I think you know it's gonna it's gonna be very telling after the January window closes. What uh, how the, how we'll look back on this season of uh, the Khans and the entire you know, the entire tenure. Actually, um, go on, but, go but on. But John. I mean, would, 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 would you be would you, if you were, if you were the owner and your son was trying his best and failing or succeeding, whatever? Would you would you think? Oh, you know what? I I could buy that player, but actually, I mean, we can't we can't become toxic as a fan base. We we can't you know put our owners off. I think they need to hear no. mild, con- well, constructive criticism. But you know, let's tone it down. We we are a club. We we are together, and hopefully they're realizing what we're realizing. But there's, there's no need to kind of be overly nasty because I'm certain they're trying their best. And whether that can be said about the players, I'm not sure. But sometimes your best isn't good enough, and sometimes someone else needs to, needs to come in, you know, and steer, and steer the ship. And we tried that with Ranieri, but yeah. I don't know. It's falling around apart, isn't it, guys? Uh, I I completely agree, and it just seems it seems like tatters at the moment. But just let's all just have a cup of tea, just relax, and just hope Burnley. Burnley is the focus now. This FA Cup malarkey is over, and I, you know, what Claudio did, his formation, it could have been arrogant. It could have even been quite tactical as an experiment because he's not concentrating on the cup. He even said when he was said, you know, Fosu Mensa can go back. He said, you know. Our pro- our priority is survival. Fulham is to survive. So I've got a feeling he didn't give you know many a shit about <laughs> about the FA Cup to be honest. And I don't think he'll take it as seriously as all as all of us are. But we'll move on to the Burnley thing after the quiz, which is coming straight after this. Fulham. And welcome back. Now it's time for a little bit of glorious, glorious quiz to try and make us all feel a little less suicidal at the moment. All right, so we'll start. The most points that each of my co-hosts can get are 19, and if you're playing along at home, you can get 24 points in total. Right, we'll do with round one. I've got love for you if you played more than 80-80. All right, five questions in this round for both of you all right did the following players make at least 80 appearances for fulham in all competitions that's did the following players make at least 80 appearances for fulham in all competitions and i'll start with you mr reese number one steve marlett steve marlett 80 all competitions no okie dokie and for you john i'm gonna go with no as well all right, you are both correct. They had Steve Mullet had seventy-eight appearances for the club. Excellent, one all. Nice. All right, number two, Anti Niemi, and Mr. Reese. Uh, no. All right, no. And for you, John, what's the answer for that one? Uh, I'm going to go yes on Anti. 
Okay, I'm afraid you are wrong, John, and Reese is right. He had 63 appearances, so he didn't make 80 either there. All right, number three, Hugo Rodiega, and I'll go to this one for you, John. Oh, well, um, yes. All right, and for you, Mr. Reese? I'm going to go yes as well. He did. He made 88 appearances for us. All right, okay, so that's 3-2 to Mr. Reese. All right, number four, Mr. Reese, I'll go to this one for you. Papa Buba Diop. Diop. 2004, three seasons, 80, gotta be. Yes. All right, yes. And for you, Mr. John? Uh, I'm gonna go, I'll go yes. I'm chasing the game. Yeah. I should probably say no, but I think he's no, right. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It was uh, 84 appearances for him, so it's 4-3 to Reese. And final one, Dan Byrne. And I'll go to you, Mr. John, for that one. Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne, oh. I'm going to say no for Dan. All right, and for you, Mr. Reese? I'm going to say yes. Oh, it was a no for Dan Burns. So that is that makes it for all. That's oh, a tasty how, how, how did you get? How did you get? Come you on, got you 69 appearances. 69 I appearances. Think, I think two, two either way makes it sheer guesswork, but that probably stands to be in good stead, to be honest. Yeah. It does indeed. All right. Round two. Back and forth. All right. So you get five guesses each for this one, guys. And it's back and forth, like the title suggests. Name the top 10 transfer fees for player departures. So name the top 10 transfer fees for player departures for Fulham FC. And I'll go to you first, John, because you won the last question. Moussa um, Zembele the first. Moussa Dembele the first. That is correct. Moussa Dembele was £15 million from Spurs, and he was our first, our most expensive one, in number one. All right, and for you, Mr. East. Oh, I thought my one was still number one. Louis Saha. Now we got a lot for him. Louis Saha was £12.8 million from Manchester United. That is a point for you, Mr. He was the second most expensive. All right, a point each. All right, and you, John? Oh, this is where I struggle. Um... Let's go with um, Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling. We sold Chris Smalling. He is on the list for ten million to Manchester United. All right, well done, John. And for you, Mr. Reese. We'll go across Manchester for Patrick Roberts. Patrick Roberts, indeed. Patrick Roberts was fourth with eleven million to Manchester City. Very good. All right, John. Down to you. Um, Dempsey. Oh, I'm clutching straws here. Clint Dempsey was between six and seven million pounds to Spurs. Very good. That's very right. And he was seventh, the seventh most expensive. And for you, Mr. Reese. Right, now I'm officially struggling. Now we're out of yeah. it. I can see you shaking. Who have we sold? Big names. Um, mm-hmm. Bugger. Ah, <laughs> Bobby Zamora. Bobby Zamora. You're in luck. He was the ninth uh, most expensive, so that's very good. Bobby Zamora, actually, in fact, he was well, yeah, he was ninth and tenth because he was split with someone else. So Bobby Zamora is correct. Five million pounds to QPR, very good. All right, John, and for you. Oh, struggling it. This might be a bit off piste, but um, maybe Roy got us a good deal for Konchesky. Konchesky, okay, let's have a look. See, Konchesky, I'm afraid, is not on the list, mate. I'm really sorry. So, Reese, you've got a chance to pounce here, mate. Number one for you, please, sir. God, doesn't this say something about the about our club where we can only get ten players over five million pounds? How a little do we bit, yeah. Value so much. 
<laughs> hundred oh. million as well that we spend, but to sell. Ah. Much, yeah. Luis Boa Morte. Luis Boa Morte. Luis Boa Morte. <laughs> Interesting. He is there, and he is joint tenth with a bunch of guys because he was five million pounds as well. So I'm going to give you Luis Boa Morte. Luis Boa Morte went for five million pounds to West Ham. Very good, mate. Very good. All right, all right. And John, final one for you. Final guess. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, no, I'm a little bit. Well, <laughs> or knowledge. I mean, like <laughs> final he, guess. He, 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 he was worth it, but um, Edwin Van der Sar. Van der Sar. Van der Sar. Van der Sar is not on the list. That's that's a travesty. That is a travesty. I'm surprised by that actually, but no, unfortunately not. And final guess for you, Reese. My point exactly. So Van der Sar went, went to Manchester United for less than five million pound. How the hell did how the hell did that get pulled off? I'm going to go for Zat Knight. Zat Knight, and Zat well, Knight is not on the list either, my friends. Zat Knight is not on the list. So just, in just total, like was, 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 was Steed Steed on there? Steed was not on there. So you could have had Louis Boamorte, Jimmy Bullard, and Mitroglou and Bobby Zamora all went for £5 million to their clubs. And number eight was Ashkin De Jagger, £5.5 million. Number seven was Clint Dempsey, which you mentioned. Number six was Sonia Luco with £7.5 million to Reading. Number five was Smalling for £10 million to Manchester United. Four, Patrick Roberts, like you mentioned. Number three was Ross McCormack, £12 million. Exactly money we spent. Oh my God, I had that in my head as well. Uh, and then two, Louis Saha and one, Moussa Dembele, the first. So with that all in, it's still very close, guys. Reese is currently on eight and John is on seven. Very good. All right. Round three. That's not my name. Are the following names those of ex-Fulham players, professional footballers from around the world, or are they just made up? All right. And I'll go to you first, Mr. Reese. Number one, Bernd Haas. Or Bernd Hath. I get the feeling I've come across him on Football Manager. So I'm going to say he's huh? a player from around the world. All right, a player from around the world. And for you, John, what is your guess on this one? Um, I, th- I think I'm with him, but All let's right. not get points. Let's make it interesting. I'm going to say none of the above, as in he's not none of the above. Completely Sorry. made up, you're going for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good. Well, he has 36 caps for Switzerland, Mr. Bernd Haas. Haas played for, for Sunderland and West Bromwich Albion, where he supposedly was famous for eating hot curries, and he retired in 2010. So that is 1-0 to the Reese. All right, next one, and I'll go to you for this one, John. Willie Walker. Willie Walker. Professional, Fulham player, professional footballer, Fulham player, or completely fucking made up? Oh, pun in the dark. Fulham player. 60s, Fulham I reckon. Player. Okay, and for you, Mr. Reese? Yeah, same line, but I'm thinking 50s. All right, cool. And you were both correct. He was a halfback for us who played between 1909 and 1921, making 178 appearances and scoring 24 goals. Willie Walker, we salute you and your chocolate factory. All right, number three. And I'll go to you for this, Mr. Reese. Peter Panda. Sorry, I just, you know, I just, sorry. Peter Panda, Peter that's, Kung Fu Panda. he's Go in on. South Park. Peter Panda's in yeah. South Park. I'm getting made up. Yeah, he's from Neverland as well. <laughs> Go on. I think he picked a pickled pepper as well. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Reese and make, say made up. Made up for John and made up for Reese. Well, I can tell you that Peter Panda, he is a German official, football official, who has had dealings with Wolfsburg and more recently Borussia Mönchengladbach. Also played a bit of football back in the day, so he's technically 
a football player, but he's not capped by the Netherlands. Or the Neverlands, rather. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, you're both wrong. Sorry about that. Okay. So... We're, I think we're right, because he wasn't involved in international football. I mean, this is incredibly confusing, but... Well, I'm guessing well, the, the, the distinction is Eng- Fulham player, international player, or none of the above. Or d- it's, it says Fulham player, international player, or none of, or completely made up. Now, but the thing is, he's not made up. It, he's not made up because he was actually. In fairness, we both got we, we both zero points, so it doesn't matter, does it? I think he was an official play. He played back in the day, and he wasn't capped for the Netherlands. Haha. <laughs> so let's just say, all right, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. Fuck off. Okay, all right, number. <clears throat> sorry. Number four, and we'll go to you with this one, Mr. Reese. Perry Digweed. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's... No, by process no? of... No, I'm going made up for that one. Made up. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and John, for you, Perry Digweed. I think he was certainly a Fulham player at some point. <laughs> He was. Yeah, well done. You got a point. He began his career at Fulham in 1976 and made made appearances. He spent the majority of his career with Brighton. After retiring from football in 1995, he randomly went on to appear alongside Vinnie Jones in the film Mean Machine. Very. He, very he, good. he, he was he was the groundsman for years, wasn't he? I have I have no idea. The informa- that information is not it, in it, front of me. But we it, we it could go a, with that. It was a joke about digging weeds, to be honest. But it, yeah. Went oh, very good. Very good. Ah, okay, all right, number five. And this is for you, John. I'll go that. This is... Okay, number five. Ars Bandit. Oh, that's got to be too good to be true. Um, I'm going to say... <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't pretend that he's not true. He's definitely an international footballer. Okay, international footballer for John. And for you, Mr. Reese. No, I'm sticking with it. One of these will be made up, and I'm going with that one. Made up. Made up. Okay. Um. Well, you you, you fell for the trap there, Mister East, because he was supposedly an Algerian footballer in the 1970s, and there seems to be a thin, to be thin evidence of his existence. But he is certainly included either way. Those are the notes from Danny. So I'm afraid that's um that's he lost the point there, Reece. So um in that round, John got three and Reese got two. So amazingly, that is made it. Seven, eight, nine, ten. That has made it ten all for the final round. This is tasty. All right, final round, guys, and this is guess the player. And Don, yeah, just uh, if you're listening to this, mate, just uh, edit around all the me like being stuttery. Okay, <clears throat> round four. Guess the player. All right, guys, you know this round is probably one of my favourites. Uh, I list ten facts about this player out, and if you get one uh, between one fact to three facts, you get four points. If you get four to six, you get three points. If you get seven to eight, you get two points, and nine to ten, you get one point. All right, let's do this. Fact number one: This player is six foot three tall. Right, guys, it's ten all, so you're gonna have to be really on this. Fact number two: He has been promoted to the Premier League twice, but not with Fulham. Buzz, Buzz, David Stockdale. David Stockdale. Okay, I'm freezing you on David Stockdale at number two there. That's a potential four points for Mr. Reed. And okay, keep going. He's currently playing for his 14th club. Nine of those have been loans. That's fact number three. All right, fact number four. He has made 52 appearances across six years with Fulham. All right, that number five. He didn't score any goals. I think Reese might be onto one here. Mm. Fact number six: He has been called up to the England squad a couple of times, but was never selected to play. 
Okay. Fact number seven. He was in tears at the final whistle of the Stoke game when we were relegated. Fact number eight. There? You can if you like, but it wouldn't matter because Reese has got there first. Is that your final answer for Stoke now? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay, fine. So you're going for Stockdale at number seven, and I'll release the rest of the facts. Number eight, he once saved a penalty from Nanny against Manchester United. Number nine, Felix Magat sold him to Brighton when we were relegated in 2014. And number 10, he was always the number two goalkeeper at Fulham, firstly to Mark Swatcher and then to Martin Stecklenburg. So, yes, Rhys has got the point there because he picked it up a lot earlier. He got four points, so that is 14 to Reese and 10 to John. Well done, Mr. Reese. Fantastic. Great right, effort, Reese. Staying, staying on the line of the quiz, I've got one for you, because I'm in the mood for throwing a curveball. It, it takes a somewhat serious turn, but basically, um, you know, we were talking earlier about the uh, Sheffield United game from 2014 and comparing it to the old, uh, and comparing it to the Oldham game for the weekend. And basically, it comes down to, um, again, about a strengthened side or a weakened side. So it came, so it came an idea, because I had this sort of debate a couple of years ago. I won't, go, I won't bore you to the full details of it, but, but ba- it basically boils down to which team had the most international caps between them. Because it signifies, you know, the more senior uh, caps you get, the more experienced you are as a player, so on and so forth. So how weakened were you as a side? Do you sort of see where I'm going with this? Yes, of course. John gets it. The other John, do you get it? I get it. I understand. You get the idea. Okay, so it basically boils down to which team had the most international caps. I'm not going to go through the lineups because that will probably give it away. But which team had the most international caps between them? Was it the 2014 game against Sheffield United or this weekend's game against Oldham? And J-Mac, I'll go to you first. Oh, I love it when I get to play. Um, All right, okay. I couldn't have said that any camper, could I? Um, all right, let's um, let me let me think. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with that Sheffield team, mate. I think that was the one we got the most caps. The Sheffield United. So you're going the Sheffield United yeah. one, and John, the yeah. other John, you? Yeah, it's difficult because I think Scott Parker alone probably sways that quite heavily, and I think even Hangeland and Hangeland might have played or Hughes. Um, Awkward with the African nations in the current team, but I, I think I'm going to go with with J Mac and say the uh, the two was it 2004 14 2014 yeah, bang on uh, you were yeah you were absolutely correct so this current side uh-huh. had 16 international caps between them Tim Ream getting the most of them uh, Mitch Fitz getting a lot and the other one had 303 you're yeah. joking wow a bit heavily weighted by Clint Dempsey and Brayden Hangland. Ah. So I'll tell you what, that was that that was a lot worse than Oldham. That game was abysmal. My uncle treated me to that game and we were all praying it didn't go to extra time and it was just sat it was freezing. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. So it can get worse. Yeah, it can. It did go to extra time, didn't it? And then they scored in the hundred and nineteenth minute, am I right? It did, it did. I mean, if it went to penalties, there would have been Five missed penalties per side. I'm certain of it. <laughs> oh man, that's brilliant. That's mate. I enjoyed that round. That's really good. I, I, well, I mean, I'm trying to think of a prize uh, for you though, Reese, for winning that round. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a mascot football kit for your 
self to squeeze into because I think we should make the point that there have been some rumours that Fulham charge £270 uh, for a mascot, and I'd like to put those to bed that it, they are wrong. It's absolutely free. If you want to pay 700 plus, you have to be an Everton mascot or a West Ham mascot. So enjoy your little mascot suit there, Mr. Reese, and just remember Fulham, I'm not charging for that. All right. All right. Excellent. So after this, we will talk a bit about Burnley. Fulham. And welcome back. So Burnley, I mean, look, guys, let's just talk about it really, really bluntly. I mean, we, we know for a fact that this is the important game. This is the feels like gajillion six pointer that we've come up against. I mean, what would you what would you expect Claudio's frame of mind to be right now, Mr. Reese? I mean, what would you expect to change for this for this match? I mean, is our confidence completely shot now, or actually, do you think it was an FA Cup game? We can actually, we still got a chance of being confident, even though of the Oldham result. Um, I know Claudio Ranieri doesn't exactly come across as the shouty, you know, uh, blood, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, blood, blood and guts, fire and thunder, whatever the whatever the phrase is. Come up with come up with another one yourself. Uh, sort of manager, but I hope that on Monday, well, today whenever you record this, slash listen to this, he gave every single player both barrels and said, right, this is not acceptable. Even if you had to, you know, maybe his English isn't all that great, you had to get Scott Parker to do the yelling. You get the gist. He really, this really should be a kick up the backside moment for us. And it's yeah. sort of perfect that we've got Burnley, that we've got Burnley coming up. Because if it was you know, away to Manchester City or away to Arsenal, say, coming up, it may not have the big effect. But the fact that we've now got a relegation six-pointer, if, if you want to call it a six-pointer in January, coming up, that's going to be crucial. Because now, I think this is, you know, a lot of people were talking about the test of Wolves, Huddersfield, Newcastle, sort of over the Christmas period. This is now, I think, the, you know, oh, what's the phrase? Uh, shite. The, uh, no, there's a phrase. Uh, ah, uh, never, never turn back moment. Someone tell me what it is. Come on. Um, now or never. Thank you. Sorry. So, because I think this is the turning point for the season. If we don't come out with a with a win against, this is a must win. All games are must wins, but even so, once against a relegation fellow relegation candidate, this is a must win. If we don't come out with a win this weekend, that's it. Done. Start planning your road trips for Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday and all that lot. This game, we cannot draw or lose, but this is a must win. And hopefully, Claudio Ranieri gets that message, gets that message across to the players. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And for you, John, I mean, we talk about tactics and the you know how the 4-3-3 didn't work. And you think that, you know, Claudio was potentially saying to not just the press, but actually, you know, certain critics of his style that actually he's he's probably going to go all out here with his counter-attacking side and forget 4-3-3. How, how do you see the game going down? I think I could pick the lineup apart from the two attacking wide players. I don't... I think it's a... Um, the, the season, there are so many poor teams this season. I don't necessarily think it is definitely a must-win. I mean, I, I think we... I think we should win. I mean, we have to win. But actually, the, the league is so poor that, you know, like we've been so abysmal all season and we're still in with a chance. I think if we don't drop points, as a, if we get a draw, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But, um, yeah, this has just been such an abysmal season. Like, if we can't 
you know, every team against us kind of gets rid of some bogey or some monkey on their back. And we've got the monkey of never winning against Burnley at Turf Moor. So please oh, just no. odd the odds of enough dice rolled or monkeys with typewriters writing Shakespeare. Like, please, let's just get this one off our back. I I, I think I mean, um, Ranieri's completely now not only made the point to the... Um, to the board and the players, so this this is it's his way or or no way. But I actually wonder, as as we say, you know, this is a is a is a kind of pendulum, in a, a seesaw of the season. If we lose this and lose it with a with a limp performance, I wonder if our transfer targets for this for this window completely change. You know, it well, might be we lose this, we lose this, and we concentrate on getting some championship players. We're not going to lose in the summer. We we win this, and they might they might reach a little bit deeper in the pockets to get to get, you know. A bit more firepower that possibly wouldn't stay with us next season because we we had no players at the beginning of this season, and if we get relegated, I can't see any of these players hanging about. So we're going to have the exact same problem. So um, yeah, I've probably over elaborated a bit there, but it's, no, it's no, a huge it's game, huge game. Let's, let's, we can we can win this. I think the uh, the monkey on the shoulder feels like more of a gorilla because I didn't actually know that stat until you just said it. Um, but it's good to spend time to mention the transfer dealings because you know I think I agree with you both. If we if we lose at uh, Turf Moor, I think we have to start actually considering potentially getting tough for the championship rather than tough for a Premier League survival because I think it might be out of the question by then and too little, too late. I find it quite ironic that we might be in this situation against a team like Burnley, who have managed to survive all these years in the Premier League by picking the best of the Championship and always making making it actually a very good model to work with, with a, you know a very strict and not so well in the money owner like we have with Shahid Khan and his son. But going to the transfer targets, it seems that Cahill now has been taking quite a long time to get over, and Sari, the manager of Chelsea, just recently said that you know I'm not too sure if Cahill's actually wants to leave so we, we don't know that's all up in the air at the moment and we're you know we were meant to be going for some left winger from Croatia who apparently is from Juventus but went to Florentina on loan and but that's I mean his name's uh Pajaka I don't know if I pronounced that correctly but I Claudio revealed in the press that we're not we're not after him at all so I mean I mean to do with the transfer, I mean, obviously he's playing against uh, Liverpool. He's playing for Liverpool right now. So, Origi, I mean, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, because we've actually been linked with him for a number of times now. Uh, Reese, I mean, is this the sort of the four four two companion to Mitro that we might be looking for? No, I think oh. we've already got the four four two companion we've been looking for. And there's been a lot. You know, whenever when Ranieri took the uh, took the job over, there was a lot of talk of. No, when we got rid of Vikanovic, oh, getting rid of Vikanovic, not any no effects, the first team affects the youth team because it means, you know, they've got to change their style of play. So we want all our players playing the same way. So if we are to assume that the Claudio Ranieri way has gone down through the youth team, there's an, I think there's an option, and I'm being deadly serious with this, get Stephen Humphreys up in, up in the starting eleven. There seems to be something. He only seems to score goals when he's with us. I don't know what it is, but he did. It, it, it was okay at Scunthorpe, and he did okay um, at our. I think it was old. I think he went to Oldham last year. It was either Oldham or Rochdale somewhere. He played. It was Rochdale. Yeah, scored Rochdale. Thank you. Either way, for some reason, he loves to score when he's playing in a Fulham shirt. I think. 
at this stage, I don't think there's anything anything left to lose. I think get Mitch Steve, Stephen Humphreys and Alexander Mitrovic up top, and my word, star flinging crosses in because those two are beasts. And you know, we've talked about Mitrovic, you know, lose, you know, not having enough service getting. Get Stephen Humphreys in a in as well because he can head the ball in, and if the ball drops to his feet, he can finish with his feet as well. My word, just give him a chance. I think we've got our centre forward problem solved. We don't need to go out and buy Divokariki. Get Stephen Humphreys in the starting eleven. I personally love that idea, and I think Stevie Humphreys is uh, is a, a. I mean, I've always liked the look of him when he played for that one time under Jokanovic's reign. I thought he looked incredibly sharp and very, I mean, like quite fast, like fast moving for quite a stocky bloke. I was, re- I mean, just the small amount I saw of him, I was very impressed by. This is something we might have to look at if we do lose, though, to actually start incorporating some of our, you know, the Matt O'Reillys, the, you know, the the, the Stephen Humphreys, and then the the. the De la, de la Torres, you know, what are your thoughts on this, John, with the transfer? I mean, are, are there any of these sort of like centre backs that have been linked with Cahill or the Croatian uh, Vida from the World Cup, who was in the World Cup team for them? I mean, are these sort of standing out to you at all? Um, it's it's quite short. I mean, to be honest, I want what you guys are smoking because um, Humphrey's <laughs> up front is just uh, wow. Um, I, I could see near the end of the season once we're relegated, getting Humphrey's in there protecting Mitro so we can get a fee for him. But um, the two of them up top doesn't fill me with a massive amount of um, joy, to be honest. Um, Matt O'Reilly, let's just go back, because I think Humphrey scored for us in the under-23s a couple of days or a day before playing in the FA Cup. That was, the time, Barry, play, yeah. that was the time to play these players. This isn't yeah. the time to play them. Origi... <laughs> Uh, to be honest, if we're going to go with Ranieri's four four two, do we have two central midfielders that, that that can play that system? I mean, is is Chambers a Premier League quality central midfielder? And Seri, while I really like him, and I think he could be brilliant. He's not being brilliant, and he definitely isn't. You know, he's not a Cante or a Drinkwater. So, is that where we need to strengthen? I mean, counterattacking football is quite frustrating at the moment because we don't win the ball back. If you had two players in the middle who weren't creative, didn't hold on onto possession, but were were dog, they just harried players and won the ball back, then it, it, we would be countering a lot more often. Therefore, we wouldn't have to defend so often. So, I think Cahill would be strong. I mean, if you imagine Cahill and Mawson at the back, obviously Mawson's injured. Do you need another centre back with them? Because I don't think you would, and that would then give us an extra player possibly in midfield or 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 up top. So. That would be a big sign in getting um, Mawson fit, which sounds a bit worrying at the moment. But mm. for, for me, with Sherla, Sess and AK up front, on the wing, on the wide up front, I don't think we're so far off. Is Origi a massive upgrade in any of them? At the moment, I wouldn't say no to any player. But for me, we're looking in the centre of midfield and basically we're just scrapping the idea of having ball players in the midfield and we're going to need ball winners in the midfield. So... That's where I think we might go. All right. Perfect. Perfect. There's another rumour um, of a, a French guy from Bordeaux. Another, we, we love these, these guys from France. Um, Yusuf uh, Sabali, uh, a right back, a very versatile fullback, actually. He can play left. He's been playing left back for most of the time at Bordeaux, but he's naturally a right back. And it's just, it stinks of another transfer that is just an Anguisa who could just turn out to be complete pants, even though his statistics are very high. I mean, John, what are your feelings on this? Is this just another scattergun 
potential approach by the Khans once again that will just get us with muck on our face. What do you think? It's it's difficult, you know, because it's it's easy to criticise this approach, but actually how many decent Premier League players can we afford or get from teams in and around us? And the answer is, is very few. So these kind of off the wall, you know, out of kind of nowhere signings, it's a bit like me when I bet, you know, I can't on a, you know, I bet a quid and I win 50 pence. I've got a better quid and win a thousand and I never win a thousand, but that's kind of, I kind of feel that's how our transfer system goes. Every single transfer, every single manager of then nothing's guaranteed. You might buy someone you've never heard of and he's brilliant. You might buy someone who's got, you know, Mitroglou and he's and he's rubbish. So I'm not ruling anyone out anyone out or anyone in less interested with kind of rumours because so much of it's false. And then even if you get the player, you never know anything or anything. So um I've just completely given up. Roll a dice, see what happens. And you know, hopefully they'll stay with us if we get relegated or if we stay up. Yeah, exactly. And John, just finally, before we all wrap this up, uh, you're, you're starting 11 for the Burnley game, the, the six points. How, how would you start this one, line-up-wise? I think it's quite I think it's quite clear where we will go, but I'd be interested to hear your guys' opinions. I think we'll have Rico in goal, Christie, mm. Adoy, LeMarchand and Reem, and Brian on the left, and then Seri Chambers in the midfield. Yeah. This is the only area where I think you might be in some... Um, debate but seeing as uh none of them started in the cup game i'd probably go for Sess and ak with with mitra up top you what do I'm you guys com- think i'm completely with you for that i want to see ak back especially against a team like burnley what, what about you Brees? yeah yeah i'm more i'm more or less the same the yeah the the uh five five at the back of the two midfield more or less uh more or less right themselves it's then a case of yeah Sess and mitrovic i think are two of them uh, and then it's a toss of you know eight different coins that you want to have on the right wing. Yeah, I'll go with Kamara. I'll yeah, I'll go with you guys and go with him. Right. Unfortunately, he's kind of the biggest impact sub. But you could have Schurler, but I don't think AK. Although he's he's had his little hissy fits and you know um, controversy, I think he does deserve a start, especially as he didn't play against um, Oldham. Yeah, and you need to get some of that bad, like, you know, a bit of that bad energy from the Oldham game out and a lot of it in. So I think you've got a good mix. You've still got Chambers and you've got Mitra up there. but And obviously, Adoy, but getting the amount of players on that we're mentioning would, would be a good mix for a game like Burnley, I think. And when it comes to Schurler, can't stand the bloke, I'm afraid, but don't want to see him anywhere near the Burnley game. Or never ever again, to be honest. All right, guys, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up there. Sorry, Schurler. All right, we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much to you lovely people listening at home. If you did well in the quiz, tweet us and we'll shower you in glory. And don't forget to subscribe to us, tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify now, so always come and enjoy the fun that is being a Fulham fan at the moment. And so uh, we will be back after the Burnley result and we will decide whether or not we still have life in us yet. So for the meantime, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Mr. Reese. God, I... Uh... Goodbye, lads. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Go on. Okay. Goodbye, lads. Nice one. And that is goodbye from John. Cheers, lads. Nice one. Nice one, guys. All right. See you soon, people.